nagging pain or discomfort that just won't go away no matter what you do, massages, Cairo, whatever, you name it, and it won't go away. I have to. You're not alone. This is a common thing and most often is our body screaming for attention because we're out of alignment somewhere. The body knows. The body will send out warning flags and signals and every single thing possible to try and get your attention. And if we don't pay attention, if we don't reconnect with our heart and with our soul and with our spirit and continue to push all of those feelings aside, the body will shut down. This is exactly what Alana Joy Newton had experienced in her life. And we get to listen to her story. But more importantly, we get to learn how she has reconnected with her heart and her soul how she is helping others build that reconnection. And we get to hear that expansion and that greater knowing and how she is taking her experience and being able to help others. So hopefully they don't have to go through the same thing. But before we begin, I have to ask you to do me a solid. Please like, subscribe, follow, share, all the things that make all these podcasts possible and spread far and wide you never know by sharing this information you might change someone's life simple as that pass it on share with your friends help ramble with intent get out there and connect with the people who are just waiting for all of these amazing leaders to come into their lives all right let's ramble All right. So today I want to welcome Alana Joy to our podcast, Ramble with Intent. Uh, Alana is a reconnection coach. Wow. Words are tricking me already. (laughs) Gotcha. Alana, I want to thank you so much for your time here and for jumping onto this podcast to introduce yourself Mm -hmm. and to help people understand what reconnecting with themselves means could possibly look like and where it can expand into the rest of of the world so alana welcome and thanks so much for connecting with me lisa (laughs) thank you and tell us about yourself tell us what got you here what brought you to this world and uh oh wow (laughs) i know it's very big where do i start (laughs) when did my soul begin Yeah, well, what got me here as many, (laughs) well, for everyone, the places that uh, the steps that we take to bring us to this point in our lives are varied and complex and layered. But um, what should I highlight right now? Um, I always had this sense of not quite belonging, actually, not quite belonging um, in this body, in this world, in my family. Um, I always had this sense of, yeah, not belonging kind of disconnection from myself. And that stuck with me pretty much my whole life. Um, and I was getting whispers in my body, uh, early on, um, that there were things going on, but I disconnected from it because, um, that was what I was sort of told to do from family and healthcare providers, et cetera. And so I learned to become very disconnected. Um, in hindsight, there were some things my body was telling me that I really did need to connect with. Um, but at the time I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, 
still back kind of back when I was a child, even though I was kind of going through this process of disconnecting from my body, disconnecting from my soul, because that's what I thought I was supposed to do to be in this world. Um, I had these whisperings from my body and my soul, uh, that at an intuitive level, I knew I needed to listen to. And one of the things I was known for saying as a child was, you're not the boss of my body. (laughs) And so this very wise voice of three or four year old me has um, given me a lot of insight, (laughs) called me back to into my soul, especially in the last few years. And um, so it's reminded me of the wisdom of our inner child of that kind of blank slate self (laughs) before we become conditioned by family and society and who we think we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So I've been on this gradual process of, well, from birth disconnecting. And then the last I'd say at least a good decade of reconnection with my body, heart, and soul. And that's uh, what I guide others through is that same process of reconnecting with those. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So um, I read in one of your information pieces that you were diagnosed with a, uh, a a disease, a very rare Mm -hmm. disease. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, you, that was, was that your wake up call that your disconnection was your, That was was like, can it be any more obvious? It's like universe just like, yeah, was like the hello, you need to reconnect. Um, so I was diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder called Ehlers Danlos syndrome. It's a mouthful. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a disorder at the DNA level of the connective tissue. So that's the glue that holds bodies together. And it's not just the outside body, like joints and <laughs> skin and whatnot. It's also internal body organs, etc. So, um, I mean, I was born with this condition. It's genetic. Yeah. And I had lots of signs of it. And it, when I was eventually diagnosed, um, it took me some time, <laughs> but I dropped into a dark night of the soul of what does this mean for my life? What does this mean for my future? Um, I didn't really have a template for my future anymore. I'm, I mean, we're all behind this veil of certainty of control in our lives anyways, but being diagnosed with a condition that's ostensibly degenerative, progressive, no cure, this veil of certainty was ripped away. And um, around that same time, my, my dad did, died. Okay. And he parted with the words life is for living and I that just I went into this downward spiral because how am I living how am I not living what am I disconnected from and even like the disorder that I've been diagnosed with it's right there in the name it's a disorder of connection yeah like I need to reconnect (laughs) I need to listen yeah right yeah. yeah, nothing like being gobsmacked by <laughs> the right? literal reality of it all. So then when you went through this, the struggle, the the dark night of your soul, um, really and truly a, a, a moment of reevaluation. Yeah. How, yeah. how did you move forward? What were your, what were your steps that you took? Mm. was messy it wasn't a straightforward path that's for sure as our healing journeys rarely are i've seen these images of spirals kind of overlap and yeah that's exactly so i've returned to some lessons over and over again yeah um so it wasn't a straightforward path um but what i was being reminded of you know in this kind of circuitous path is um the need to uh, listen to my own emotions, to not 
squelch them or hide them uh, mm -hmm. because they're not acceptable because I fear others won't accept me because, you know, girls are supposed to be nice and kind, whatever, right? Whatever societal and family messaging we get. So I was really guided through this process of hearing myself, validating my emotions, mm -hmm. feeling the feelings that are coming up in my body and honoring them um, and not pushing through them. Um, not disregarding them because these feelings and these sensations that arise are all just messengers from our soul um, to reconnect, you know, to listen. Yeah. So, and then <laughs> listening to my soul. So kind of more on that, um, you know, who am I really? Who am I in this world? Um, what is my soul's purpose? And by listening to our emotions and and feeling our sensations, we can get there. <laughs> we can take off these layers and find our soul under there and find our calling, which was um, what I did. Mm -hmm. So if I, now it is a more, I, now I do have a stepwise path <laughs> to guide others through. It's the reconnecting with emotions, reconnecting with sensations to reconnect with your soul and uncover your authentic self and purpose. Yeah. And that's amazing to have those steps, but what a messy process. Oh man. <laughs> I'll have to go through to figure it out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's self-awareness is not a pretty thing. It is not clean. No. <laughs> not logical. Right. It's not methodical. It is in every direction all at the same time and nowhere at once. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if I can shed a light, if I can be a, a beacon or a North star for others on this messy, dark journey. Um, that's what I'm here to do. And of course, everyone needs to experience it themselves. But if I can be a guide, I've had, I had guides. Yeah. I had bright lights guiding my path. And so if I can offer that for others, um, I know that's what I'm here for. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. then now you do have a business, you have set mm -hmm. it up to be an entrepreneur, run your own business, um, mm -hmm. providing that coaching. Mm -hmm. And so maybe walk us through and and I guess like I sense you and I are both, we kind of listen to our bodies. We sense mm. what the, the messages within our bodies are for, yeah. but what about someone who, who doesn't actually have those sensations that knowing yeah. within their body, how do we, how do mm. we help those people walk through, um, I guess a different way mm. of information gathering so that mm -hmm. people stay connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I will, I'll get there in a sec. Yeah. So just to rewind a little bit in terms of my professional yeah. self. So um, I was first a registered nurse, um, practiced as a nurse for 16 years, got whispers from my body. Can't keep doing this. <laughs> Can't keep doing this. I didn't have a diagnosis at the time, but uh, I knew I couldn't keep doing that. I pivoted, uh, became, got my master's in, in counseling psychology, became a psychotherapist, um, which I practiced for 15 plus years. The two yeah. careers overlap for a little bit. And uh, I worked mostly with people with chronic illness, uh, which mm -hmm. is my lived experience. And so, um, so much of my work has been exactly that, helping people reconnect with the wisdom of their bodies. Um, and so for me, it starts with getting to know body, reacquainting with body. How does body work? And normalizing these, you know, what we can call symptoms, which often become pathologized. But really, it's our body sending us messages that we need to pay attention and do something about. So I really start with that nervous system uh, education, <laughs> knowing what's happening in our nervous system and uh, the signs you know, that our body sending us, but also, like I mentioned before, um, kind of looking at those, those conditions, you know, the, the conditioning that we've experienced, like, oh, I shouldn't feel blank in my body, or I'm ashamed for feeling blank in my body. Society tells me I should push through this to be the 
good worker, the good whatever. So it's also peeling off those layers of what our plots and beliefs about our relationship with our body. Mm, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That, and that gets super messy because you have to dig even back to how yeah. the, the, the client, the patient, the person yeah. was raised or how they viewed the world growing up, how they view yeah. the world right now, how they feel the world views them, all of those things. So there's a exactly. lot, it's a lot there. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a multi-layered <laughs> process. Like I said, you know, not a straight line, yeah. um, but um, yeah, I mean, and in my therapeutic work with clients, I, you know, often we go into the past to uncover those layers in my coaching work with clients. You know, most of my coaching clients have done a lot of that past work investigation themselves or in therapy. And so they come to me with, okay, I kind of already know these things about myself, but I'm still kind of stuck where I am. So bringing that insight into our work together and then, yeah, moving forward from there. Okay. It sounds very similar. Um, I can't remember. It's like white tiger, I think it is, or unleashing the tiger i can't remember yeah yeah somatic healing Mm -hmm. and and like my brain's envisioning that vortex pattern of getting stuck in the vortex and then finding the the really the catalyst to drive yourself out of that traumatic vortex that you're stuck in whatever it is and then learning to work through even work through the stories that you have created or that you've heard um and and going through the body and rewriting the story while you're going through it in the process to change that emotional connection. Exactly. Updating the body because the body keeps the score, right? That's the title of the book. The body keeps the score. The body remembers. Yeah. And so kind of updating the body to the present moment, you know, body may not have been safe in the past. Am I actually safe right now? And not to trick body. And, you know, if we don't actually feel safe in this moment, not to, convince ourselves we are because maybe we don't but maybe we're not physically Mm -hmm. or emotionally safe from others but even from our own thoughts so you know looking at how or how are we creating an internal sense of unsafety (laughs) lack of safety and how can we shift into safety yeah in this moment yeah that and that's it's beautiful work when you see it happening and actually like witnessing it it be experienced and, um, and even just learning about it. Cause you realize the power of just movement alone, or, uh, Mm. in one case it's, you know, rubbing your hands on your thighs while you're going through. So you're creating that sense of safety. Yes. Oh my gosh. I could go on. I love this stuff. Please It's so empowering, right? There is so much we can do. There's so much we without medical degrees, you know, can do, we don't need, and this is what I've noticed you know, often people turn to, you know, people in a lab coat or with lots of letters after their name. I'm not to, not to undermine the training and expertise of these medical experts. And they're also human, right? Uh, And we live in our bodies 24 seven. (laughs) So we really do become the experts of our own bodies, especially when living with conditions that aren't actually that well understood by Western medicine. There isn't any one specialist for my condition. So mm-hmm. I am the expert. <laughs> yeah. I am the expert of me. And so it's also in my work with clients, I also help them uh, come back in touch with, <laughs> you know, the wisdom of their own bodies and their bodily sovereignty. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then that allows it, I mean, in the, in the medical world too, especially for the 
the lesser known, less common diagnoses, mm-hmm. you in essence need to start advocating for yourself as yeah. well within the medical yeah. world, rather yeah. than just taking the diagnosis or the prescription yeah. for, for exactly what it is, because yeah. it might not be working for you. Yep. <laughs> and listening to that. Right. And so, yeah. so much of that is actually listening to our bodies and saying, Oh, you know what, this man that's supposed to work in a certain way, it's not working that way for me. It's working really differently. And the doctor will say, no, no. Okay. But yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. that is what I'm experiencing in my body. So trusting body, yeah. trusting body, trusting self and not outsourcing to experts. And again, I don't say this begrudging to, you know, Western medicine or medical professionals. I am one. <laughs> I used to be a registered nurse. I get it. But um, really, in my experience of chronic illness, I've been reminded that I am the expert of my body. And uh, I'm the boss of my own body. <laughs> yeah. Bring back the four-year-old that you Yeah, are. right? Four-year-old yep. wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're always yeah. full of wisdom when we're so young, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. When you spoke of nervous system education, what do you mean by that? How do you, mm. can you give us a little like brief rundown yeah. of what, oh, what you gosh. go through? Can it be brief? I get so excited about this stuff. My kids would even, t- I mean, like every day I'm talking to my kids about the magic of the, of the nervous system. Uh. So yeah, uh, in a, a small nutshell, if I can, um, it's really, I start with, you know, the awareness of our autonomic nervous system, that fight, flight, freeze response that we have when we're in crisis. And then mm-hmm. that calming rest, digest place when we're in a place of calm and safety. And so really starting to get to know our bodies when we're in one state or the other, um, you know, are in our society today, and especially those living with chronic illness, we're most often in that state of fight, flight, freeze. We're most often in that state of crisis, this fast paced, you know, hamster wheel world that we live in, uh, constant like sensory stimulation. And, uh, and then living with chronic illness, having symptoms in the body puts body into that fight, flight, freeze state. Mm-hmm. Our own thoughts <laughs> puts us into this fight, flight, freeze state because it's seen as a threat. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I really start with my clients is like helping them and I mean it's wonderful there is so much information in you know social media these days and so rarely does a client come to me with like total blank slate not understanding so it's really kind of tailoring the understanding to their own body I mean most bodies function similarly but really what's happening in their body what's their cue for when they're in fight flight freeze what's their cue when they're in parasympathetic and knowing the cues for both because as humans we have a natural negativity bias we know Notice the things that are going wrong in the world and in our body. That's just natural. That's survival, right? Of course, we're going to notice the things that go wrong. It's not because we're a negative Nelly or whatever. Yeah. But (laughs) it does take that intentional focus to shift to what's going well, what's going right in the world and in my body. So it's looking for the cues that we're in crisis, but it's also looking for the cues that we're safe. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's so funny. It's like, we talk about this, um, expansion and, and growth and empowerment. And you just made me think of like, probably our shift is finding ways to use the power that we have within our brain to step away from Mm -hmm. that very primitive instinctual reptilian brain, uh, living and being able to move into I'll you I can't put a word to it, but using even a phrase from Daniel Laporte to boil from her is when mm-hmm. something comes up and just say that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Able to rest on mm-hmm. it for just a moment before we respond. Yeah. 
so that we don't actually immediately yes. have to have this like yes. reaction to everything. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's what I integrate into my everyday and also guide clients through is that creating that gap between stimulus and response. It's mm-hmm. been said before, when we create this, that's where freedom is, is that space between stimulus and response. And I believe that's actually that, that, that phrase is coined by Viktor Frankl. And I read Man's Search for Meaning. Whoa. I mean, I think, I don't even know if I was in my twenties yet, but it really spoke to my soul. <laughs> and uh, looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. My soul was already on its path. But, yeah. And so exactly that, you know, creating uh, that gap between stimulus and response and observing what self is experiencing. And I also weave in compassion, you know, so much of the way my essence in the world and the practices that I guide clients through are those compassion-based practices. So observing with compassion <laughs> what's happening for self. Yeah. 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 And so let's use this. We're both parents Yeah, and we're both parents of younger children. So we are in this beautiful opportunity where we get to actually teach compassion now rather mm-hmm. than when our kid hits 40 and <laughs> right um and we also get to have an opportunity and it's hard but to be able to encourage them to connect with their body to find yeah. out what the answer is within them yeah. and then guide them if it is you know I guess a nah. we still have to work within social structures. So if it's a you know acceptable response, or is it a response that needs to be understood but honed in a little bit more as well? Mm-hmm. Am I am I off my rocker with that last piece? No. Or okay. No. no, I'm totally with you. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And I don't know about you, but I certainly wasn't um, guided about how to be compassionate with self. <laughs> actually, being compassionate with self was selfish, actually, uh, implicitly and explicitly stated by family, society, etc. We often get those messages. So, um, you know, talking about taking off the layers of conditioning, this is also an area that I explore with clients of like how they've been conditioned to not actually care about self, to not uh, listen to their feelings, to their mm-hmm. sensations. Yeah. And what a gift we have as parents that we can parent in a way that we weren't parented. And I say this with love and compassion for the way I was parented. I understand, you know, where, you know, my parents just weren't able to go there because of the way they had been raised and the lives they had experiences. So I don't say this with any, um, you know, malice, but I am going to parent differently and I am parenting differently than I was parented. And so it's encouraging my kids to connect with their emotions, connect with their sensations. I have this, uh, I'm going to pull it out because it's quite funny. This uh, feeling wheel pillow. (laughs) Oh, amazing. I love that. And so I'll sit down with my kids. I'm like, what is it that you're feeling? You know, to put names to what we're feeling and to validate them and to bring compassion to them. So, yeah, yeah. That is an amazing pillow. Um, I don't do, I don't put out video of this yet because it's, it's a little bit too, too advanced for me in the editing room, but um, for people who couldn't see, it was a pillow that had like your core feelings and then the expansion of all those feelings out into the larger world. Yeah. That's what this is. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's such an amazing tool. It comes in keychain form. It's so amazing because we do need to be reminded (laughs) and hopefully with future generations, this will shift and we're shifting it right now with our children. But we do need to be reminded that all of our feelings are valid to acknowledge them and validate them. Yeah. 
how we then respond to them. Okay, that's where, you know, maybe we don't punch the guy out, you know, if we're mad, whatever, right? But the fact that we're feeling anger, that's okay. It's a protective emotion of our nervous system when we're feeling threatened. Nothing wrong with feeling angry. It's just what do we do with that? Yeah. And and yeah. what is the anger too? Is it the actual cause or is it something yeah. else that was leading up to it yeah. too? Which exactly. nine times out of 10, exactly. it's from something else. Exactly. I mean, anger usually arises from a state of fear. What are we at the core, at the deepest root of it? Fearing. What mm-hmm. are we fearing? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent, and yeah. it's. I mean, you see that. You see that right now in today's world too, with everything mm-hmm. that's going on. Yeah, most of our reactions are fear based. Yeah, or um, based from a disconnect from ourselves, but also a disconnect from a peer group. Yeah. Not having that peer group, not having that place of safety to go to, to bounce yeah. ideas off of, to to yeah. talk to, to just cry with if you need yes. to. Yes. Right? So um, yes. it's really interesting how we are now, I, I don't know about everyone, but I'm witnessing this human need to get back into a sense of tribalism, mm-hmm. to get back into a sense mm-hmm. of community that is mm-hmm. actually not just your neighbors, yeah. not just the people who sh- share the same block as you, yeah. but your actual neighbors who are there yeah. to hold you when yeah. you need held. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my, my work with clients focuses primarily at this point with reconnecting with their selves, with this body that we're in this lifetime and with their souls. Um, and then the extension of that is reconnection outside of self with community um, because we are as humans, connection is survival. Belonging is survival. We absolutely need to be connected and belong to survive. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it's funny, like all of a sudden, this is where my brain now just like diverts in totally different directions. But do you feel like there's a, um, a breakdown of community in a sense of trying to further people away from their connection to themselves and to that really Mm. when people unite it's powerful Mm. and there's a lot that can Mm. happen that's really good Mm. I don't know if this is answering your question but I also I went in this I think I'm on a similar track but where my mind just went with that was um I mean in short I think yes um you know, when we're disconnected from ourselves, from our authentic selves, Mm -hmm. we don't actually know where we belong. You know what? That's more to my point, right? We don't actually know where we belong. So we might find ourselves in peer groups and communities and still feel disconnected because we aren't actually connected with ourselves. So I believe connection with outside, you know, with community starts with really knowing who self is and, and, and validating and accepting self and then being able to, and then, then our connections with community will feel more authentic. But, you know, because of, because as humans, we have a survival need to belong, we will often conform, contort ourselves, right? Yes, that's what that is. Right? Yeah, that's so much more to my point, actually, is we're witnessing people furthering themselves from who they actually are in the name of appeasing the broader group to belong, to, to... connected somewhere somehow some way Um, but those aren't lasting connections and that I think is where to be able to teach and help guide people to come back to being connected to themselves fully knowing Mm -hmm. accepting loving and being compassionate for who they are because we all have sides we don't appreciate sure 
but we need to love the capacity of who we are and the yeah. most of what we are. Yeah. With that then yeah. fosters the lasting connections and the lasting yeah. community that we can build because yeah. we then know exactly who we align with and we know exactly yeah. who we are confident in speaking with and talking to mm-hmm. and addressing concerns and issues with and and knowing mm-hmm. that even if we openly address this concern, we are not going to be cast aside yeah. or yeah. put outside of that yeah. circle because we've already found who is within our alignment and resonates with who yeah. we are as individuals because we know who we are. Exactly, exactly. You know, we can only connect with others as deeply as we've connected with ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so if there are parts of ourselves that, I mean, you know, yeah, of course we all have parts of ourselves that we're like, oh, okay, that's not, you know, the way I reacted in that moment or, you know, yeah. But, you know, accepting that this is and not to not accepting it from a place of stubbornness. Well, this is just who I am. You have to accept it, but yeah. Okay. With compassion. Okay. Yeah. This is who I am. And maybe I can shift it. Cause actually when we connect with cells and others in a place of compassion, that's when the shifts can actually happen. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So when we're, you know, when we're compassionate with our own shadow self, when we're compassionate with those parts that are maybe less favorable, um, that's when we can be compassionate about less favorable parts and other people because we all have them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if we're still kind of at war within ourselves of like, I wish it wasn't like that. I got to change this about this, about myself. I hate, you know, words like that. If we're having that internal dialogue, then we'll have that external dialogue. Mm-hmm. So the more loving and compassionate and accepting we can be of self, the more loving, compassionate, accepting we can be of others. And that's when shifts actually happen from a place of compassion, not from a place of criticism. And that's real empathy right there. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so I guess tell me, tell me a little bit more. How do you how do you operate your your time in your sessions with your clients? Mm-hmm. Uh well, right now I'm I'm doing, you know, both therapeutic work and coaching work. Mm-hmm. Um the coaching is gradually expanding as I'm going further into my authentic self, who am I really here to guide and support? And, um, and so currently I work individually, therapeutically and uh, coaching. Uh, I'm also on the brink of launching an online course um, that guides people through this connection, <laughs> reconnection with body, heart and soul. And uh, and it was important for me. I, I mean, I do the same steps individually, but it, it riffing off what we were just saying before about connection with community, I wanted to create a program where connection with others was possible, that Mm -hmm. others going through these same three steps could connect with community and not just with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I've, I developed this first as a therapeutic group uh, for people with chronic illness. I developed this content, listening, listening, listening after years of what people needed to reconnect. And now I've, translated it into an online course for people, not just with chronic illness, but really any, you know, kind of existential life crisis where they're saying, oh my gosh, this thing, who am I now? So it could be, could be chronic illness. It could be divorce. It could be death of a loved one. It could be termination from a job. It could just be like, I don't even know what my life purpose is anymore. Maybe I never knew what it was. So it's this process guides them through reconnecting with who they really are. Yeah. 
Amazing. I look forward to when that course is, yeah. that'll be exciting for you yeah. and for everyone else who needs it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when I was going through my dark night of the soul, really hard time, <laughs> I went through all those things I named, <laughs> chronic illness, <laughs> job yeah. loss, uh, death of a loved one and a divorce. So I was in the darkest, I was in the dark place and wasn't sure, um, I wasn't sure how I was going to survive. I wasn't sure if I wanted to survive, to be honest. I just didn't see a light or a way out. Mm-hmm. And so this was birthed, <laughs> birthed from that place. And it came to me that this is why I am here to yeah. guide others through the dark. Yeah. I, I love how sometimes our our darkest depth pit pit mm-hmm. of, of, of life is what draws out the most yeah. expansive part of us too because it just <laughs> it's like the cocoon thing where yeah. the the caterpillar turns into complete mush before yeah. it become the butterfly right right it's mushy and ugly in there like there's yeah. no form it's mush it's wet it's sticky <laughs> you know <laughs> it's right? all yeah absolutely it's yeah. um this, this has no real potent draw, but I just thought of um, what dreams may come and the scene when Robin Williams is down where his wife is in pure depression Mm. in like the dark black world. And, uh, and it's just, yeah, we have to go through that stuff to sometimes Mm. just to realize how capable and how powerful Mm. we actually are. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, the epitome of, um, of not failure, but of, of the lowest point that then gives us permission to rise again, much like the Phoenix. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so with you on that. Yeah. (laughs) The gift is in our wounds. hundred percent. Yeah. And and I'm not the first to say that Rumi said this, Leonard Mm -hmm. Cohen said this, other contemporaries have said this, but I have absolutely lived this and seen it in others. The gift is in our wounds. So when we turn away from our wounds, when we're like, oh, that's too sticky, mushy, ugly. I don't know what to do with that. uh, We're actually, we're depriving ourselves of connecting with our gifts and our purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. There's, it's, it's so beautiful just to be able to understand and, and and really witness your story of how you went through all these things of which like, I'm deeply sorry for, cause I can't even imagine having all those stacked up against mm-hmm. me. Um, and how you've risen so much then that, that your excitement and your pure joy and yeah. just being able to share this story and, and share your knowledge and be able to create I think something that's going to be truly game changing for so many people once it's released. It's uh, it's beautiful. And I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for reflecting that back. Yeah, I really uh, my middle name is Joy. Yeah. And as a kid, I was just kind of like I thought it was a bit dorkier. I don't know. I didn't really connect with it. and it was my maternal grandmother who gave it to me because uh, I was born around Christmas time. And anyway, I won't go into the backstory there so much. But what came to me in the last few years, especially in the dark night of the soul, I got connected with my soul essence, which is joy. It was put right there in my name for me. You know, another sign from the universe. Like, okay, <laughs> right, we're going to make this really, really obvious. <laughs> and so I have reconnected with my middle name and I identify quite strongly with it because I feel it. Yeah, I feel that joy. And I am, I've gone through some hard times, sure. And as we all do as humans, and uh, I've reconnected with my essence, with my joy. And so that's also a big piece of what I guide others to is when we reconnect with our authentic self and our purpose, 
we will experience joy. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So how do you instill joy in your life every day? Mm. Conscious intention, right? Exactly. Like, just as you said that I was like, yeah, conscious intention. Uh, because you know, the, again, that negativity bias, right? So using today as an example, yeah, I'm feeling symptoms in my body. Things are coming up. I'm getting some whispers from my body. I had to sit down to make breakfast because I was, you know, fatigued and my heart rate was through the roof. And mm. and I was just like, okay, right? Uh, so that negativity bias, I could easily go in that spiral of, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Woe is me. And, you know, so what was important was to validate it. This is what's happening. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll listen to my body. I'll pull up a chair to make breakfast. What else is happening? You know, what else is happening? The sun is beautiful today. We haven't had sun for uh, probably at least a week. It's beautiful today. And these leaves outside my window, there aren't very many left, but the ones that are still there, the sun comes through them and it's so green. Yeah. Um, my kids are off school today and we're having just kind of a, you know, relaxed hangout day. And I had other ideas about going for a hike and but body said, no, we're not doing that. Okay. But it's so lovely to be with them to just have kind of relaxed downtime together. So it is that intentional seeking of the joy, especially when the not joy <laughs> is heightened. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I love that. I think if we could just teach the world to look for the good before we even identify the bad, yeah, we would, we would yeah. be able to just cast aside so much of yeah. the negativity and even the illness that is around yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so much of my journey has been about validating the, and I don't even say good or bad, right. But validating the unpleasant, right. Validating because living with chronic illness, you know, gaslighting, all that happens, especially when it's an invisible chronic illness, so much doubt from the external world and then doubt in the external world, internal world. Mm -hmm. So, um, so first validating, you know, so this morning and I was feeling, yeah, initially I was feeling distressed. I have to sit down to make breakfast. This is not what I had planned today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I sat with that and acknowledged it and acknowledged the grief that was coming up, acknowledged the sadness and allowed that to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and then, okay, I've acknowledged it. Hello, grief. I've named you. I've honored you. And now what else is there? Yeah. yeah. So not just bypassing the dark or the hard or the unpleasant, but really welcoming it in. Uh, okay. Pulling up a chair, pulling up a chair for the grief, <laughs> um, pulling up a chair to accommodate body to sit down. Yeah. yeah. Um, so pulling up a chair for the discomfort and then shifting, not staying there. <laughs> yes. not staying there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I guess you, that's, that is a key point. It's not staying there. Yeah. It's acknowledging it, giving it a chair. It can hang out. Yeah, we're not going to stay here. We're not going to stay there because it's not the only thing that's here. Yes, it's here and it can take up a lot of space, but it will take up more space if we give it more space. So what else is here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, this is amazing. I I love it. Beautiful place to end right there. Uh, Leave people with that lesson that you can welcome the the, um, unpleasant You can let Mm -hmm. it hang out, but you're not going to stay there focusing on it moving forward. And I think that's great. And yeah, I mean, the power of reconnecting to your body, to your heart, to your soul, and then moving forward outside. It's, it's honestly, it's step one in almost every single process of life. 
right? Yeah. Right. Uh, that's that's been my journey and the journey of at this rate hundreds of clients who I've guided and uh and yeah, I think she can support a lot of others too. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, I wish you all the success with your project as it gets released and with everything else that you're doing. Thank I can you. I can sense it in my bones that it's it's what you are called to do and what mm. the world is here to receive from you and yeah. I think it's beautiful and I'm so thankful for your time. Oh, thank you so much. I really, it's such a, it's such a joy <laughs> to be seen, heard and understood um, by others. And I really felt that with you. So yeah, thank you for inviting me here to speak. And of course, anytime. Yeah. And when you release it, I'd love to have you back so you could go into depth on it. And yeah, we can talk more about that. Oh, I'd love that. I just get so excited about this. <laughs> I just get so joyful, so joyful about this. Uh, Cause I'm so, I know I'm here to help others. So if this will help, I'm in it. <laughs> I'm here. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll have you back when you're ready. Thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, that episode was so amazing. I learned so much and I hope you did too. I'm going to end it here with this episode was brought to you by Isagenix. The link is in the show notes. And until next time, keep rambling. <laughs>